My local coffee shop is my Penn State World Campus classroom, giving me the full Penn State experience online. My Penn State classroom is getting me to where I want to be. Click on the ad or visit worldcampus.psu.edu to learn more. From regular expenses to occasional splurges, there's a lot to buy. Why not get cash back every time you spend? With the PenFed Power Cash Rewards Card, you get cash back on every purchase. That's everywhere, every time you use it. You can even earn a $100 statement credit when you spend $1,500 in the first 90 days. Visit PenFed.org slash PowerCash to apply. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. Thanks for listening to Uncle Sam's Soccer Podcast, keeping you up to date with the latest in American soccer. And don't forget to subscribe. Coming live from a tornado down in Texas is Armand Kafai. Armand. Man on the ground. What are the scenes like? Dude, it's black outside. I didn't know what was going on. I just got from my phone. And, uh, <laughs> oh, and you, it uh, sounds like there's some, like, a, a nader outside. Um, but I'm here for our loyal listeners and our number one fans. Um, if I get sucked up by this tornado, I just want to let you all know to follow me on Twitter at Armand Kafai <laughs> for all my takes. Check and, out your uh, mixtape on SoundCloud. Uh, um, I'll, I'll send out my phone number in a tweet later on. Y'all can text me uh, best wishes because uh, it's pretty black outside. And this thing is coming towards me. So um, loyalty. Yeah, might 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 be a, might be a really fun time. But no, um, I want to give a shout out to Away Days before I freaking get sucked up by this tornado. Um, use promo code Uncle Sam for fifteen percent off. I actually need to buy an Away Days jersey. Hopefully I'll get sucked up and put in Narnia. With us is Jake Watroba in Minnesota. What's up, Jake? We haven't done one of these shows where it's the uh, three of us. No, I, I don't think we've done one except for that uh, 10 to 15 minute segment on the USSF uh, presidential election live show. Right. So, Bro, do y'all hear that siren? <laughs> <laughs> do y'all hear that siren? Dude, it's loud. Okay. What the hell? Anyway, on today's show, we're talking U.S. soccer. No, we got some hot takes. We're going to discuss Slatan Ibrahimovic, CONCACAF Champions League, and Bruce Arena's new book. You'll also be listening to the interview I did with Brian Ching. We talked about the changes in MLS during his time, his 12 seasons, as well as where's MLS going. And then finally, what is Pitch 25? Listen to the interview to find out. But let's begin with Armand and the CONCACAF Champions League because you've been absolutely all over this on Twitter at Armand Kafai. Uh, before you get sucked away, it looks like Toronto FC is going to get there, but with the Red Bulls, the team that you said has a real chance to get there, you think they can overcome after what we saw Wednesday night? Well, first off, I want to say that Toronto's job is not done yet. America, man, it's kind of hard to say this when there's sirens <laughs> in the background. I know we um, hear the sirens I'm, now. We do. All right, nice, nice, nice. This is gonna be great, great, great drama. Um, 
Red Bull are sorry. Toronto's job is not done yet. They allowed that away goal, which sucks, and they showed signs of weakness. They got that the three one win. It's a pretty big result, and they looked really confident. But going to Azteca and altitude, and against a team like America, who's very strong, it's gonna be a very very tough tough atmosphere as well. We saw El Piojo Miguel Herrera talk about how the Toronto FC players, or I'm sorry, Toronto police hit the America players, which every other party disputed but it should rile up some fans that don't really care what the other people say so it should be a really rowdy atmosphere as for the red bulls i do think they have a real shot they only lost 1-0 man that's the sirens are really bothering me um they lost <laughs> 1-0 to chivas on the road which i mean i thought was a pretty fine performance like knowing the circumstances they kind of played for a relatively close loss and they could have had one. Bradley Wright Phillips had a chance, but it was saved uh, by, I think, Cote. So, I mean, they Red Bulls do have a chance to advance and move on. It's not over yet, but I think they'll face a hostile environment at Red Bull Arena, even though they're home, because we all know how Chivas fans follow. They're crazy. Hey, can you... Well, listeners, Armand got sucked away by the tornado. Jake... Uh, regarding the Champions League, how excited are you for the potential of, you know, Toronto going to this final? Because it seems like they're more in the driver's seat than Red Bulls are for concerning MLS. I mean, I'm excited about it, but I, I think, you know, I cautioned earlier in the week uh, when, you know, the three of us were texting. Uh, Toronto almost blew that that uh, quarterfinal match uh, with Tigres. Yes. Um, so I don't think they're... I don't think they're out of the woods yet, uh, especially going to uh, America to play at the Azteca. I, I, a two-goal lead, I, I don't think it's safe. Armand, is, do you think that too? Absolutely. I mean, think about it. It's Liga MX. Liga MX is better than MLS. America is one of the top teams in Liga MX. Toronto is a top team in MLS. We know that. We've seen that. We see the way they play. They play confident. I mean... Man, the way Marky Delgado played on Tuesday, like a round of applause. It was a brilliant performance from a guy who I think makes Toronto's midfield work and run. But, man, it's, again, it's Liga Mekis. It's America. You're playing at Azteca. It's going to be a hostile environment. Anything can happen. And Jake's right. We did see Toronto almost blow that lead against Tigres towards the end of the match. Man, if you saw that and the fact that they're going away for this leg... It does make you a little bit nervous. You can't say it's in the bag. You can't say, "Oh, we're going to be but ready to go." Blah blah blah. Couldn't the, I don't think I don't think you can. But the the matchup against Tigres was that not a learning experience for Toronto? Could you not say, "Look, they've had that moment. Now they're going to be more prepared." I mean, they're going to play at Aztec, and that's at altitude. Josie Altador and Michael Bradley have experience, but what about the rest of the squad? I think that's a huge factor no, exactly. that nobody's talking yeah, about. The rest, yeah, well, I mean, I think it's gonna come up, but yeah, the rest of the squad doesn't really have that experience in playing in in that sort of altitude. It's tough. I mean, we've heard experiences from men's national team players. Wait, I actually, I, I, what, I, I, I take it back because players do have experience of playing at altitude with or going to Colorado and to some degree. But it's not as bad. It's not as big no. as I mean, you've seen, you've seen teams train uh, Roland. Uh, the men's national team has a friendly or is preparing for Mexico. They usually do play at uh, Dick Sporting Good Park uh, in Colorado to prepare for that. But at the same time, I still think it's almost apples and oranges compared to, first off, Azteca is monstrous. 
it's monstrous. It's not going to be like 80,000 people like screaming like the, excuse me, U.S.-Mexico games. But it's still going to be a hostile enough environment to where it's still something where you have to take into an account, especially with the quality of uh, America. I mean, we did see we, – we, you saw that individual goal. It was a brilliant goal. Rio Peralta um, didn't do that much. But, again, that team has the potential to do a lot more damage. I think they're really, really pissed off, especially after what happened in leg one. Yeah, I, I... – I, I don't know. I to to me, I, I like I said earlier, I I'm not going to be shocked if America wins this one, like you guys alluded to too about the Azteca, which I don't know if this is really being uh, talked about as much. Is playing at altitude at Azteca that's going to take a toll on all those guys that aren't named uh, Josie Altador and Michael Bradley. And I think another thing that's not being talked about either is the air quality in Mexico City too, which I think could have uh, could have some effect on the uh, Toronto FC players. And not to mention too. I don't think that that environment, man, that is going to be a hostile environment. They, that is going to be like nothing they're ever going to they've seen in in MLS. So I, I guess I'll be curious to see how they rebound. I'm more confident that Red Bull will will beat Chivas than Toronto will beat America. Really? I mean, I, I can see your point, Jake, but my issue is I think Toronto have the experience. They played Tigres. They played a squad that is better than Club America. They are. Tigres is a better cl- uh, squad. So as, as far as it comes to the game itself, I think Toronto will be fine. The big issue is what type of squad will Club America come? Will they be the more, de- more desperate squad? Will they really press the issue? Will they have the fans on their side? And will they be motivated? I, I think... Liga MX has underrated the, the drive from, other than Colorado, the drive of MLS in this Champions League. The Red Bulls, Seattle, and Toronto. Really taking the bull by, by the horns and saying, you know what, we're going to go after this. This is, I think, the first time where you see more of a motivation from MLS and Liga MX thinking, oh, well, MLS hasn't done anything in, in the past. We can just you know, skip our way to the final. For sure, for sure. And I think that also probably what this, the the success of MLS during this competition, minus Dallas and Colorado, I think, you know, just the quality of MLS too has gotten, has gotten better um, as well. Like you said, you know, the MLS really hasn't done too much in this competition. I know Montreal impact. uh, I think they made it to the semifinals a a few years ago, but final final. There you go. Um, I stand corrected. I just think the quality of MLS is caught up a little bit to Liga MX. Granted, I don't, th- I don't think it's. I still think there's a pretty sizable gap. Uh, and I, maybe Stephen, you are right that some of these clubs out of Mexico are, I guess, if you want to say, playing down to their opponent. Some and kind of think, ah, oh, it's MLS. Their season's just started. You know, it's kind of quote unquote uh, preseason to them. Uh, we don't need to necessarily take them seriously. And I mean, it's 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 nice to see that. A team like Toronto and a team like uh, Red Bull are, you know, they're actually, they're showing that they actually care about winning this competition as opposed to Colorado who just were like, hey, we're here, we're just going to play, yeah, we're going to play a couple matches and uh, we'll get on with the MLS regular season. So, uh, no, I, yeah, you're right. It, there, there might be a little bit of Liga Mackey's playing down to MLS. 
Uh, but I also think that the quality of MLS has has gotten a little bit better over the last couple of years. One thing, one thing, yeah, one thing I wanted to mention is that the Liga MX sides will have to play matches. Uh, MLS has uh, put in some scheduling favors for Toronto and for Red Bulls, allowing their games to be moved in preparation for I think the second leg of these matches. So they'll have off, they'll have a week off, and they'll be ready to go. The Liga MX sides have to play. Uh, games over the, over the weekend and it's, it's tough it's the reality i mean it's a little benefit for the mls sides in my eyes i do agree with jake i do think red bulls do have a better chance i guess of ad- advancing i don't know they gotta come out a little better than they did last last game they're on the back foot hopefully it changes when they're at quote-unquote home which i mean i expect it to be predominantly chivas fans it's it, it should be it should be a fun encounter but Jake's also right in terms of the quality of MLS getting better. I mean, we we see it. We see Toronto just not manhandling, but putting on a confident good shift that makes you think, damn, they do belong in the semifinal of CCL. And it wasn't luck that they got there. It was how good the team is. And I think that's a narrative that's slowly starting to change and hopefully will be changing in the coming uh, years. And again, I wouldn't be surprised if we saw an all-in-loss final either. Well, we will see. Speaking of talent in the league, Slatan Ibrahimovic made his debut. We all know it. The goal oh my God. heard around the world, pretty much. The header to win it. Was it offsides? Was it onside? Who cares? The question is, what type of impact is he going to make to Major League Soccer? And he's obviously older. Uh, in the interview with Brian Ching, he actually alludes to the fact that he wouldn't be surprised if Ibrahimovic has some growing pains. MLS is, is very unique because of the travel demands that you put on these bodies through the time zones. You're not traveling one to two hours. You're traveling at least, in most cases, probably three hours. You're flying quite a bit, so it'll be interesting to see that. But what type of impact, boys, do you think Ebro is going to make on this league? I think MLS, is with this signing, is kind of towing a dangerous line, to be honest with you. And I... I, I let me start off by saying I, I, I'm, I'm really excited about Ibrahimovic being in MLS. However, I feel like the MLS detractors, the naysayers, the haters, whatever you want to call them, uh, I think this is fuel to their fire. Because if Zlatan comes in and he scores 30 goals and just makes a joke, basically, of MLS back lines, you're going to have your, you know quote-unquote Euro snobs who will say, see, MLS isn't good. Look, it's Zlatan, <laughs> 36 years old. That used to be that's, me. Yeah, that's you. <laughs> Zlatan comes in, you know, he scores 30 goals. He misses, you know, the first month of the year. And, yeah, see, he, he's 36, Jake, coming off an ACL tier. League's bad. That's I, what, I, I think that is that, that is the uh, the dangerous line MLS is towing here is I think they think they can get – they're, they're going to use Zlatan to get those fans to kind of start watching MLS. But I think it, it – it, might turn into it, pushing them away further. I, I I get it. The thing is with Ebra is he he brings a personality I don't think we've seen to the league. The I think the big question we should be asking is, is this David Beckham 2.0? Forget Kaka. Forget David Villa, Thierry Henry. Bastian Swine. This is bigger, I think. This is way bigger. But this is different. Uh, to put it in perspective, over the weekend, the number six YouTube video trending in the U.S. Sunday night was Ibra's goal. 
I've never seen a MLS goal be the number six trending video on YouTube. The other, I mean, night- you're right, Stephen. I mean, you're you know you're you're right. And just to interrupt you, I was actually on a call with uh, one of my friends who I, I would say has never watched a soccer game in his life, and I was telling him a story, and I was like, "Yeah, I mean, I mentioned Zlatan's name." He's like, "Oh, that guy signed for the Galaxy," and I was like, "Wait, how do you know this guy?" He's like he's been all over social social media, all over ESPN. Have you guys seen it? He was on Sports Center a couple nights ago. Yeah, just 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 bantering away. I've seen more of his highlight, his goal on Sports Center, uh, wherever ESPN networks, Fox Sports, everywhere plastered. Where I'm at the gym, when I'm at home, when I'm at college, people saying, "Did you guys see Ebro's debut?" I've gotten texts about it left and right. This is something that I would say, I would argue, is either on pay, with Beckham's hype or even greater because of where MLS is right okay. now. I'm it gonna, might be even greater. I'm going to interrupt you because we're going to put some numbers on this. I, I was curious to know what type of influence David Beckham really made in MLS. I'm reading uh, from Reuters, March 2015, Mark Laporte Stokes. Since 2006, MLS has expanded from 12 teams to 20, and the average attendance grew by over 3,000 during Beckham's era in MLS. Now, do you think 3,000 is going to be the growth we see with Ibra? I think it's going to be even bigger. I think Ibra Imovic brings... If you love soccer and Ibra's coming, it is borderline... Stupid not to go. You're a stupid soccer must, fan if you it's don't. Must, it's a must watch. It's a must watch game. The amount of texts I've gotten from people who play I played soccer with in high school and in college have been, "Are you going to the FC Dallas versus uh, LA Galaxy game? Watch Ebro. You want to get tickets? Well, I mean, too bad for them. I have credentials. But um, they're like, <laughs> oh, do you have, do you, you want to get do you want to get tickets? And tickets have jumped from twenty to forty when Ebro was announced signed to the Galaxy to as I'm talking about as soon as that second goal was scored, to about $65, $70 for starting, the lowest price. It is insane, wasn't, the hype around Zlatan Ibrahimovic. Wasn't the, I, I don't remember this, but wasn't the LAFC, LA Galaxy trending on Twitter? It was like the most talked about thing for a moment there over something else. It had to be. It was. It was. It was. It was, over the, uh, it was the most talked about thing over, I think, those, that next couple of days, even more than the Final Four that was going on. Uh, that w- went on later on in the night. I mean, I don't know about you or Steven or Jake, but guys, I've rewatched that video so many times of him scoring that goal. And I've had people just come up to me and say, which is, it, was a, it was a beautiful goal. I've had random people just come up to me and, and ask for I mean, what, I, what I thought. I've never had this. Like, it's such a bizarre thing. It's, it's, it's unbelievable. It's not people who just watch these, people who've seen the highlights. We're like, maybe I'll tune in and watch a soccer game now. That's the impact Zlatan's going to have. That goal was tremendous. I mean, you can't even argue anything else. That goal was I know, but an absolute – I can't put in words. I did, Jake, I mean, you, you, as someone who's newer to soccer, do you remember David Beckham having an impact in, in what you were watching? <laughs> it's, funny. it's funny you should say that because I remember – when David Beckham came to MLS, and I think it was right after I graduated high school. And keep in mind, and this was, you know, 
nine, ten years ago, however many years ago it was when Beckham came to MLS. I was anti-soccer. I didn't care about it, whatever. Um, and I just remember watching Sports Center and be, you know, and it was like David Beckham's first game or second game or whatever. And it's like he didn't score. And I kind of thought, well, this is dumb. Like, they bring in David Beckham, he doesn't score. Like, what? What's the big deal? <laughs> and now it's like, and it's like as casual soccer. I'm not. I, then I wouldn't even call myself casual soccer guy. Um, but it's like for somebody who was the casual soccer person, and they're like, oh, let's check out MLS. David Beckham's playing, and he's not scoring goals. Well, why would you keep watching? You know what I mean? Now you have Zlatan, who is but he's a, a goal a scorer. Man, he's a goal. Yeah, you're right. He is a. He is a goal scorer, uh, the truest definition of a goal scorer. And he's this big dude, too. Like, he is going to score so many goals in so many different ways, too. Uh, and I think that is what's going to draw people in is go, I'm going to watch Slaton maybe score a hat trick today because he can do it. And he's he has the pedigree and shows that he, he can do it. So that's why I think this is bigger than Beckham. He may not be the name, you know, like David Beckham. Well, I mean, David, pretty- David. Sorry, Jake, but David Beckham's name, I think, is greater with neutrals. Ibra's name is so much bigger with the soccer community. The issue is there is such a big soccer community here in America that is non-MLS. That's what they're – I think Ibra attracts the non-MLS soccer fans more so than David Beckham – more so than David Beckham did with neutrals. I think neutrals were more interested in Beckham than Ibra. Oh yeah, for sure. I think you're, I think you're right. I mean, I, I mean, I had season tickets last year to uh, Minnesota United, and I can't, I can tell you, like, I was giddy to see like Clint Dempsey play. So I can't, like, <laughs> fingers crossed that Clint I mean, Dempsey I, it was, was the real. guy that you wanted yeah, to see. Was, well, I'm I, disappointed, Jake. <laughs> yeah, Come we, on. No, I mean, Bastian we'll, we'll No, we didn't play. We, fire didn't come to Minnesota last year, oh, okay. so. Uh, I was like, Kaka didn't come to Minnesota because he was playing on turf. We didn't play New York City FC in Minnesota. Uh, didn't play Toronto either. So it's like, all right, I guess circle my calendar. <laughs> Saunders and Clint Dempsey. That's what I'm getting excited for. <laughs> and uh, it's like now, it's like, oh, damn, Zlatan might be here. I, I think they play the Galaxy in Minnesota beginning of October, late September. Fingers crossed he plays. I'm not sure if he's, they're going to keep him out because we play on turf up here. But I mean, you're right. I, the casual, like the the guy who, you know, European soccer fan guy might actually come out to an MLS game now and just to see Zlatan. Well, so, I mean, that's pretty cool. No, it, it's definitely interesting because I'm looking at numbers here, and the week five average for the attendance in MLS was about twenty thousand, and this is from a soccer stadium digest dot com. Now, let, let's take the Revolution for example. They last year. I'm going to use last year's numbers because this past the the week five numbers regarding attendance is not fair because the weather was really bad, and I think bad weather definitely takes people out. So let's take the numbers of 2017. I'm going to ask you guys how much more fans. If do you think it'll be a sellout? Portland averaged twenty one thousand. That's pretty much I think a sold out arena there. But how much hotter will that ticket be when LA visits uh, Portland? Uh, what do you mean in terms of hotter? I mean, do you think the I attendance mean, will in increase? Portland? Do you think the Portland playing in Portland when LA visits? Do you no, think because Portland sells out their games regardless. Okay, that, yeah, not, that's that's what I'm saying. Not, 
Yeah. But if Portland could expand their stadium to, say, 40,000, you think they would sell out 40,000 because Ebra's there? I mean, I would almost argue that Portland's so soccer crazy that they could almost sell every game. I, I think that's a bad example. Sorry, it's hailing, guys. I got really confused. It's pretty loud hail. Oh, my car's going to get screwed. Holy hell, this is loud. Um, <laughs> we could hear that. Listeners, if you didn't know, Armand did survive. Hope you got full coverage. I guess I'll I'll, I'll take over <laughs> this question while Armand uh, deals with this uh, hailstorm thing. Um, I don't know how fans will come out to uh, to Matt Free Stadium there with the whole relocation thing going on with Zlatan. I'm sure they'll see, definitely see a bump. I don't know if they'd sell it out though, just because I feel like it, you have fans that are boycotting that team. Um, but they they would I, yeah I think they would see a bump if Zlatan played in Columbus. Um, I mean. I think you'll see a bump anywhere that's not, you know, a Seattle or Portland or Atlanta or Orlando. They'll see they'll see a good attendance bump. But so, but let's continue through the bottom part of of this, you know, 2017 average. Oh, FC God. Dallas had 15,000. Armand was just talking about how hot the tickets are. That's definitely going to see a bump. Colorado, it's gonna, it's gonna 100, percent and you might even see more. They might start selling standing-only tickets, too, like they do for playoff games. So I wouldn't be surprised. Colorado, again, great example. I mean, on that Columbus note, as I'm like, my house is getting pelted by hail. Um, <laughs> on that Columbus note, I do think it will sell out, man. Don't uh, don't forget, I think it was, wow, uh, Michigan Stadium. Uh, was it where Man United sold, sold out the entire stadium? Real Madrid, Man United. Yeah. It was Real Madrid I mean, against you, somebody. There you, there you go. Like, and what Michigan is not that far from. Ohio, yeah, but right? that's that's that. But and people, you're, people are going to go out. People are going to come out. I, I 100% believe people will come out. But you're comparing out. you're comparing Man United and Real Madrid to Zlatan. Like, but but here's the thing. But here's the thing. Those are people you're going to attract. You're not going to attract like oh the the hard the hard the, the hardcore MLS guy. I mean whatever. They're they're probably still going to boycott the crew. I mean, they're, 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 if you look at those fans, you're going to attract those fans to watch Zlatan play. Those are the kind of fans that are going to come watch Zlatan I play. Think, the question is, can you convert those guys to full-time MLS sure. fans? Sure. I, 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 I agree. But I think if, you look at, if you're going to look at attendance, you're going to see an increase this, this year. You're going to see a more of an increase than you've seen in previous years. I just think as a percentage, you'll see an increase because Ibra commands that ticket. It is much watched. I don't under. It's hard for somebody who's stuck here in Madison. I, I if if the closest game is either Chicago or Minnesota. I mean, hey, you're I, getting a USL club here pretty soon. Yeah, and that will be exciting. But it's going to be really exciting to watch Ibra and selling out tickets. I mean, it. The thing I th- I think the biggest advantage is if you attract that neutral or that soccer fan is not invested in MLS, you go out to a sold out arena, it's going to be impressive. You're like, wow, this is what MLS is. Now they're probably not going to realize that it's not because a lot of people are, are just like that person who is coming to watch Ebra. But think about it, like if the stadium's packed, you're going to want to come back again because it's just a neat experience. MLS and soccer is just different when it comes to culture regarding fans. It's not NFL where you sit there and just scream at the top of your lungs. It's not basketball where it's clap and you know yell out defense. It's not baseball where you sit there and you're stuck on your phone and then you have to look up every once in a while because a baseball was hit. 
it, it's it's different. No, you're right. And and to kind of expand on your point, uh, I I think going to a sold out MLS game is way more fun. I enjoy it so much more than going to um, a sold out NBA game or a hockey game. I just feel like there's a different atmosphere. Um, you know, I I'm not somebody who really cares for crowds, so to me, it's like. You know, going to a baseball game, going to a Twins game up here in Minnesota or a Timberwolves game when those teams were bad, it was kind of nice because it's like no one's around. You kind of can like spread out, you know, and just kind of enjoy yourself. And now it's like, oh, they're good again. So the stadiums are packed. But I, I just think that it's, yeah, you're right. That atmosphere in an MLS stadium, maybe that does attract a couple of those uh, quote unquote Euro snobs to, you know, come back for another game. And, you know, and, and, that, and that's how, I mean, maybe you're right. Maybe there's a lot of time thing helps build up, you know, other fan bases and stuff like that. Absolutely. Uh, we'll have to wait and see. I'm, I'm still a little skeptical on it, though. We'll see. Armand, you give the fi- uh, I'll give you the final word before we move on to Bruce Arena. I've said this to many people, and, man, you can call me crazy. I do things a lot of time. We're bigger than David Beckham. It's, 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 just a, it's just a big cultural phenomenon, especially with Zlatan coming in. He's one of those guys that, you know, He's not the brand that David Beckham always knows his underwear or whatever David Beckham had and, you know, uh, Victoria Beckham too. But, man, he brings firepower and he brings fun to the league. And, Jake, I understand when you came from, when you said that this guy, you know, he's going to tear apart defenses and people are going to be like, wow, MLS sucks. But let's not forget, I was looking at this around a year ago, maybe even a year ago today. I think it might have been a year ago today. You actually saw Zlatan score in a Premier League match. Yep. Against, I think, maybe it was Everton Almer off the top of my head. But he scored, and he scored again before he got injured. This is a guy who's one year removed, obviously, the bad knee injury, but from scoring a Premier League match. This guy's talent, I don't think, is matched by many in MLS. It's bigger than Drogba uh, in terms of the impact he'll make on the field. I forgot he, he the made field. the move to MLS. I there you go. Those. It, he, was, he was dominant. He played a... He was a very powerful and good player for uh, the impact. It's going to be bigger than I think even Villa. But Villa uh, made did, a huge impact but, in NYCFC. Sure, but here's the thing. On I, the field is what I mean. It's Beckham 1 and then at the moment Ibra 2 and then you could list out whoever you want after that. David Villa has had a huge impact on the field. But Ibra brings a personality unlike David Beckham. It's the personality that Ebra goes to Sports Center and it's fantastic to watch. It's the personality when it comes to the commercials. It's the personality on the field. I mean, do you guys before he scored the winner, did you see that little ball he kicked towards I think it was Carlos Vela on the ground? Yep, yep, yep. And he was talking talking some trash some or whatever mess, he was yeah. doing. Yeah, so <laughs> that that's what Ebra brings that David Beckham didn't. But who knows? All right, Jake, let's talk about I, well, Bruce I, I, Arena. Unless I you... have one more question on Zlatan, actually, for both of you guys. Okay. And I just want to get your takes. If Lionel Messi and Cristiano Ronaldo did not play in this era, okay, how much bigger of a deal would it be? that? Because, I mean, Zlatan would conceivably probably be the best player on, on the planet, right? If, if, if we didn't have Messi, we didn't have Ronaldo, would, would, would you guys agree with that? Um, no, I wouldn't. Neymar. Because his, his, his injury, his, his – I mean – if you were okay, like five I mean, years ago, five years ago, he. The thing is, I honestly don't remember Ibra being that big of a name before the 
after Barcelona, he I, he started to pop up on my radar. But it's really at PSG where he made the name. Because, again, going to PSG for Ebro was a risk. Because he was he wanted going to France was a risk because French football had fallen apart pretty much, and PSG were trying to rebuild. So by bringing Ibra in, they were attracting they were attracting not only a name, but they were also hoping other players would follow suit, and they, and that ended up happening. Now you have Neymar there, um, I, Jake. It's a very good question. I just don't know where Ibra ranks. The problem is when it comes to soccer personalities, you have the big three with. Uh, Ronaldo, Messi, and Neymar. Ibra's on that list of top 10 when it comes to soccer personalities. Who else would you put up there? Well, I don't know. I guess the question I was trying to ask is, would this be a bigger deal if those two weren't playing in, in this era right now? Would people go, oh my God, like Zlatan Ibrahimovic? I mean, people are already doing that, but would you see more of that? Like, wow, we just attracted one of the three best players in the world to MLS or, you know what I mean? I, I guess that's what I'm, I, I, what I'm curious about is if, Messi and Ronaldo kind of take away from how good Zlatan is. Yeah, we'll we'll see. Um, all right, let, let's get to Bruce Arena quickly because we have to comment on what's going on there in his book. Jake, tell, fill us fill in the gaps. All right, so uh, I don't know if you guys uh, read the Washington Post story by Stephen Goff about uh, Bruce Arena's new book, which is titled "What's Wrong with uh, U.S." A coach's blunt take on the state of American soccer after a lifetime on the touchline. It'll go on sale on June 12th for anybody who's, <laughs> who's interested not in reading that. In that. I, if you can tell by the tone of my voice, I am not uh, going to be purchasing this book. Uh, but anyway, uh, so in this book, Bruce Arena essentially goes into detail about his time as... Uh, was he the interim manager or was he just... the? I guess he was probably just the manager, Uh during this uh, past World Cup cycle to uh, you know, qualify to CONCACAF. And he talks about how six months prior to being hired, he uh, was in negotiations with U.S. soccer uh, you know, to take over for Jurgen Klinsmann, that Jurgen was supposed to be fired before Copa America, and then uh, Sneo Galati you know, kind of chickened out, if you will, and got a little nervous. Um, what do you guys, what do you guys think about this? To add a little bit more onto what, what Jake said, part of the decision, why the decision wasn't made was because Dan Flynn had an emergency procedure, uh, to fix something, uh, in his heart. And that's unacceptable. If you believe that there's going to be a massive decision made and you believe that they need to make one, if you're whoever's in charge of the, the firing or hiring the coaches or whatever, you cannot let one person not being there dictate the whole thing. And also, it's kind of funny how that comes out after the, after the fact, you know? It's kind of like Arena is just like, you know, it really wasn't my fault. I didn't have that much time. Klinsman put me in a six-point gap in the easiest qualifying. But, you know, it wasn't my fault. I think it's first of all inexcusable from USSF. I think Bruce Arena doesn't get what he what the magnitude of what he did in not having to make World Cup. He went on Fox, haha, we could have done so much. We, I didn't, I wouldn't change a thing. He says the same thing in the book. This guy's using all this as a publicity. He's, he's a clown. His, this, guy's a, this guy's a clown. His legacy is forever stained 
and it's it's over. I, I'm so tired of him. That's the issue. He doesn't realize that he is the reason to blame. He had eight games to figure out. And who cares about the previous seven games? If you had gotten a freaking draw against Trinidad and Tobago, we'd not be in this conversation at this moment. And that book would have never have been written. It would have been a blip on the radar. Yeah, they struggled to qualifying. Who cares? They got there. It's all about the World Cup now. What did we say with Mexico in 2014? They barely squeaked by to get to the World Cup. And if it weren't for an Iron Robin uh, dive, who knows? They could have been in the quarterfinals. Yeah, and to, uh, you know, go in a little bit more depth about this book. I had, I don't know if, this this quote kind of bothers me from Arena. And I'll I'll read it to you guys here. Uh, Arena writes, I had trouble watching the Costa Rica game. Seriously. It was uncomfortable for me to see the U.S. team playing that way, out of sync and at odds with one another, looking as though they didn't really care all that much. Those back-to-back losses were a fiasco for U.S. soccer, and no matter how much blame lay at Klinsman's feet, it was clear he'd coached his last game for the U.S. That quote, just the whole, they looked uncomfortable, you know, basically kind of ripping the team... Did he not see his own team playing in those matches leading up to Trinidad and Tobago? Did he no, not have a problem with how they were not. out of sync? Yeah, he didn't. I mean, the problem is with Arena is he doesn't get it. It it's, it's, it's he doesn't get it. He doesn't get the magnitude of what he's done. And when we look back, it might be a bigger deal when we look back in the in the future and we're like. Damn, we missed the World Cup in 2018, and we couldn't get a draw to Trinidad and freaking Tobago. This guy's making money off books, TV. This guy's fine. He doesn't get it. He doesn't get it. He can do anything for the money, but in everyone's eyes, maybe except for some people who are like massive LA. Well, his MLS career is fine, but national team-wise, I don't care about what he did in 02. I really don't because in 2018, he didn't get he didn't get you to the World Cup. And I think that's a bigger failure that can only be overcome by you winning the World Cup. Do you think he gets rehired by an MLS side? Or hired, no. not rehired, but hired? Yes. Do you I really? think so, but but I don't think he will uh, look to get a job. Uh, in the, I don't think he will because he's making what, plenty of money off this stuff. What is this guy? This guy? you think this guy wants to coach? I mean, if, I, if, he, if he could make money without having to coach, I mean – I would much rather do that. <laughs> yeah. I don't think he ever will get a job in MLS. I don't think there's a team that wants to take on that that it's bad PR. I mean, if you think about it. I mean, who It, it would be bad he, PR, Jake. I agree. I think hiring him on you have to hire him in, in 3 or 4 seasons, not you can't hire him within the next two. It's too fresh. Everybody knows who Bruce Arena is and the stain he put on US soccer for missing out on the World Cup. I don't think you can hire him until after, after Qatar. I don't know. I, to me, it's just, it's just, it, 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 if so, if Minnesota United were to fire Adrian Heath and replaced him with Bruce Arena, you know, you that's next. I would, I'd be so pissed off, you guys. You have no idea. I do not want. I would not want that guy anywhere near my club just because of the, that the massive failure to not qualify for the, the World toxic, Cup. Just the it's just, I don't know. It, it would just rub me the wrong way. And it would just forever remind me of this guy who who had his head in the sand for you know a few months about how good U.S. soccer was, and that he basically, along with the players too, took away a World Cup from me. 
That's mm. how I would view it. Yeah. I mean, oh, there goes the sirens again. But um, if let's say it wasn't the U.S. men's national team that he failed to get to the World Cup to, you look at his resume. What like loads of MLS cups and um. Wow, sorry, that sirens bothering me. Is loads of MLS cups and also his resume. He took a team to World Cup and then went to the quarterfinal, and he failed with a team uh, in 2018. If USA wasn't on his resume, do you think he'd get hired? I mean, sure. I I think it, it is. I think his MLS success. If you're looking to hire the best MLS coach, yeah. I would rather have Bruce Arena than some of the other players or some other uh, coaching candidates available for his MLS pedigree, not for his international pedigree. This guy knows how to win MLS Cups, and yes, it might suck with a PR, but I don't think half the fans will care. Everyone has short-term memory in, in terms of that stuff. By the time it's, what, 2020, 2021, people are going to be like, this guy, whatever, he's not going to be my national team coach. He's my MLS coach, and I need to win games, and I want to win the MLS Cup. Hiring guy that's done that multiple times, it makes sense. So, I mean, I wouldn't get mad if a team that I followed hired him. Maybe I'd be a little confused because he is a little backwards in terms of the way MLS is progressing and the way he play, uh, way he st- uh, his style is tactically. But, I mean, shoot, man. I mean, the guy's a winner. In MLS, he's a proven winner. Now, I'm not talking internationally. Internationally, he has made mistakes. We know that clear and day. And MLS is a proven winner. What else can you want? Yeah, we'll see. All right, and up next, you're going to hear my interview with Houston Dynamo legend Brian Chang. Very nice guy. Take a listen. He brought some insight into what MLS was like in the mid-2000s when David Beckham first arrived. right now is MLS and U.S. Men's National Team veteran Brian Ching. Brian, how's it going? It's going good. Good. Busy these days. Running around like a madman. (laughs) I'm sure you are. But, you know, I was reading up on you and you're the first Hawaiian-born player to represent the U.S. How does that feel to have that name tag to to your name? Yeah, it's pretty special, you know, uh, to be the first of anything. Um, But um, you know, obviously, um, you know, never set out wanting to be <laughs> a professional soccer player. So when you take all those things into consideration and where, where I came from and when I look back and, <clears throat> and see, you know, that how, you know, popular wasn't, you know, one of the most major sports back in the day on, on the island, um, you know, I've come a long way and, uh, you know, kind of puts a smile on my face and hopefully, uh, showed a path for a number of other kids coming out of Hawaii that uh, they can make it if they put their minds to it. You know, let's go back to when you actually started. You were the 16th pick in the MLS Super Draft uh, back in 2001. And what were your thoughts running through your mind going to MLS? Um, <clears throat> to be honest, you know, um, I had a, a good tryout with the Galaxy uh, one summer uh, in my uh, when I was in college. You know, I think it was my junior year. I went up and trained with the Galaxy for about 
two weeks and um, you know had a really good training session so you know I kind of knew the level to expect but uh, when I got there and, and, and then you face all the competition as day in and day out and you're not just there <clears throat> on a you know uh, a little bit of a tryout but uh, you know there's the pressures of competing day to day and performing day to day um, you know I when I first got there I don't think I was ready uh, mentally um, for that that jump in level from college to, to professional level but uh you know, so I struggled with that that first year, and obviously, you know, my playing time and <clears throat> the stats uh, definitely reflected mm-hmm. that. But I, I gained a lot of information, and I gained a lot of, um, I guess, knowledge about myself and what I would take, what I would need to be successful throughout the rest of my career in that first year. And you know, although I didn't have uh, a, a great year on the field, I think off the field, I learned so much about myself and my approach to the game and what it was going to take to be successful. And, uh, you know, so for me, I think that probably was, probably, it was the most important year of my career, even though, you know, I got released after that season. Um, but the lessons that I learned and, uh, the things I learned about myself and, and what I need to do, uh, to be successful, I, I, I really learned those things that year and applied them, um, throughout my career. And, you know, a big reason why, I think I was able to achieve some of the things that I did. Absolutely. Now, what was the perception of the league back then? I mean, what was your perception of MLS as a whole? You know, I think I was kind of one of those just wide-eyed kids. <laughs> I was like, all right, we're going to go you know, try this for professional soccer. Like I said, growing up in Hawaii, uh, you know, there wasn't access to, uh, you know, even back, you know, what was it, 20 odds? plus years ago that there was no um, you know EPL on on the um, TV every week there was no you know Barcelona's Real Madrid there's no you know PSG's and and so you couldn't wa- I couldn't watch a lot of soccer and and growing up in Hawaii I, I didn't even know about uh, the English league I didn't know about any European league to be honest and it wasn't until I got to college that my uh, <clears throat> my college coach in our uh, loved Manchester United and was watching them all the time that I really found out about the European game and was able to watch it, um, you know, pretty consistently and learn from it. And uh, so for me, <clears throat> you know, the thought of playing professional soccer never really crossed my mind. I mean, the league didn't start until 96, if I'm not mistaken, and that was that was the year I graduated from, from high school. So, uh, <laughs> you know, it, it to, to get to the league, it was just kind of one of those things like, wow, this is this is kind of fun. This is cool. You know, things aren't um, superstar status like the other leagues, but, uh, you know, being a part of something that uh, in its infancy and, and feeling like, you know, you were able to help grow it um, is pretty special. And, um, you know, so I, I guess my initial, um, you know, thoughts about the league was, wow, this is this is pretty cool. <laughs> I get to yeah. play professional soccer in the United States. <laughs> so let, let's talk about the your time in MLS. You, you went on to, to win multiple trophies, individual awards, as well as team awards. But how crazy was it to see so much change in MLS with expansion, with new stadiums being built, with the acquisition of talent? Yeah, I mean, when I the first year I got into the league, uh, 2001, I think it was uh, the, the league went from 12 teams uh, down to 10 teams. You know, the two teams in Florida folded 
uh, and so competition was, you know, even even tougher. <clears throat> I look back at some of the the names on on the um, uh, that first team that I was on with the Galaxy, and I was just like, <clears throat> you know, when I think back on it, it was, it was some of the guys that I grew up watching playing soccer. You know, the Paul Calajuris, the um, Alexi Lawless, uh, Eric Ronaldo's, uh, Kobe Jones. Um, Robin Frazier, you know, Ziggy Smith was the coach. And so, um, <clears throat> you know, to kind of to kind of come into the league when it's contracting and, and be on such a, I would say, pretty legendary team, um, to, to seeing it grow to 24 teams and, you know, continue to grow. And, and then you're seeing the success of, you know, the Seattles filling out, you know, football stadiums and, and Atlanta. Uh, new teams coming in and you know the Kansas City's transition from the old uh, Arrowhead Stadium to this unbelievable you know uh, facility that that they have there Um, you know the Red Bull Arena it's it's pretty amazing to to kind of see and and grow and you know to see franchise values from basically zero to you know um, just to get in the league 150 million dollars is it's it's pretty awesome and, and and pretty cool to be a part of you know it's in the beginning it's it's not easy i mean a lot of the guys that you know played in this league that helped it grow and a lot of the owners that were part of it in the beginning there were a lot of pains and a lot of a lot of hills to get over and hurdles to to kind of get to this point um you know and 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 so uh to be a part of that you know it, you, you kind of feel like wow you, you know you were a part of building something um special and it's continuing to grow you know mm. i would love to see it to you know grow in leaps and bounds from where it was you know till now the same amount in the next hopefully you know five ten years I, I think the growth now is exponentially quicker and you're starting to see some you know some teams and some owners really get in there and spend money and and go after some exciting talent you know i think atlanta's done a good job mm. of, of building their team coming into the league uh, LAFC actually has had a good start to the season this year, and um, you know it's exciting to see that 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 you're getting these owners that are that are really coming in and, and wanting to get those special players, and you know, I, you know the Galaxy stepping up and, and bringing in Satan, and you know his impact in just <laughs> that just that first game was was pretty exciting to see. Oh, it was a, it was a lot of fun to see. But during your time, what was the biggest challenge as a professional and personally in this growing league? Um, yeah, you, you deal with the, a lot of things, you know, it's a lot of frustrations of, of not having things like they are today. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, when you're, you know, in, in the league and it's growing, there's a, there's a lot of pains from, from the fields you play on to the locker rooms, to the stadiums, to, the traveling conditions, the, you know, there's a lot of things that you just have to chalk it up and say, look, you know, we're a young league and we're growing and this is a part of it. And, um, you know, it's hard at times, you know, there, there are fields that we've played on that were extremely, you know, uh, terrible to, to say the least, you know, stadiums that we've played in and played in high school stadiums, you know, and <laughs> played in massive, uh, football arenas where there are no people in there, and uh, you know, I guess you put in so much and, and you put in so much work, and you know the owners put in so much probably you know money and capital, and and then 
you know, it's it, it's not up to the level that you, you would expect it to be. So, um, yeah, there's just a lot of that. You know, you gotta swallow your pride a little bit sometimes, and just go out and do do your work and be a part of the, the league and know that it's growing. And so, I, you know, there's there's it, there was a lot of little challenges, you know, in mm-hmm. there, and you know, the players, you know, with the league and you know the rules and 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 the things like that. But you know, having look, looking back on it now, um, you know, it was, it was an enjoyable experience overall. You know tough at times but even when when you look at what you were doing chasing a ball around um <laughs> it's 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 uh you know puts a smile on your face these days you know and yeah. it, it did take a toll on a lot of the guys bodies you know we didn't have the the facilities to take care of ourselves or <clears throat> the means to to sometimes you know to to put the right things in your body as far as you know nutrition and things like that because you're living on on such a tight budget at times what was there a lot of complaint among at least players regarding say even just turf versus grass the locker rooms or the stadiums and the travel conditions or was that something everybody knew about and you know you guys more focused on just the game and you just had to deal with it um one of the things you find out of being a professional especially if you're being a professional for a long time is that you always have something to complain about. <laughs> no matter how good it is, you have something to complain about. Um, you know, I you know, I look these days and, you know, you hear some of the complaints and you're just like, okay, well, <laughs> you, you, you wouldn't be complaining about that 10 years ago, you know. But um, <clears throat> that's just, just part of being a professional athlete. You just learn to complain about everything. Mm. And so, but uh, no, I, I think in the past it was, yeah, it was, um, you know, one of the things I think that made us successful as a, as a team um, was that, you know, we would complain about things and feel slighted in a lot of ways, but we would use that <clears throat> as a team to kind of, you know, go out there and, 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 and prove that we were better than um, than what people thought or the way we were treated. Uh, you know, and I think other teams, you know, probably didn't pull together in the same way that we did when it came to those types of things. And, and I think that helped us as a team, you know, we just had the right group of guys that, um, you know, just dealt with, dealt with the situations that was dealt to us and, and tried to make the best of it. And so I think that was kind of our attitude and what we, what we, um, used to make us successful is, you know, yeah, it's not, it's not perfect, but you know, we're a group of guys and we enjoy hanging out and we love playing hard and we love competing. We love winning. And, uh, regardless of where you put us and, and what, conditions you give to us we're, we're going to go out there and and and, and win um so yeah i mean there was lots to complain about and you know uh but you know i think for us with our group we were able to use those things uh kind of in a positive light mm. one of the biggest changes during your playing time was the david beckham coming to america and i think a lot of or a majority of soccer fans and experts would say that forever changed mls how did you how did he change just the style of play on the field or was there something you noticed that really changed when he came? Um, yeah, of course, of course, when he comes, you know, he brings this, um, a list celebrity status to, to the league. And, um, you know, I think it forced the league to, to change a lot of things in, in how players were being treated because, you know, here comes a guy that's played at some of the best clubs in the world. And, you know, it just kind of 
forces the league to to raise the level of, of how they were treating their players. I think that was one one positive. Another positive is, you know, every time he stepped on the field or out in the community, um, he brought a lot of attention to our league. So he kind of re- really helped raise the profile of our league. And you know, f- from from all the battles that we had, um, he was one of those guys that his teammates loved and and you hated to play against. <laughs> you know, and that's that's the, uh, he came in here with the right attitude, you know, and that to me is is the biggest thing, right? If he came in here and treated it as like a holiday, um, then you know I don't think he would have been able to have the effect that he did have on the league, as, you know, as a whole. And the fact that he still believes in it, you know, and is trying to get a team in in Miami is <clears throat> um, is helpful and 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 pretty neat and. Just to see that you know the, he's a quality guy that, that actually cares about the league and his players and and his teammates when he was here and uh, you know as far as the play goes you know everybody knew that he was a he was a good player and a special player uh, and that you know the Galaxy actually built a pretty good team with him Landon and, and Robbie Keane you know they created mm-hmm. a little bit of a, a you you know a, as a rival reluctant to say this but a little bit of a <laughs> dynasty there. Um, but, but they did. And, um, uh, so I think, you know, he, he kind of raised that profile, um, of the league in the United States and, and kind of helped accelerate his process a little bit, you know, and, uh, you know, it's continuing to grow and, you know, you continue you know, to see stars that are, are eyeing the States, um, mm. you know, and eyeing, uh, wanting to come over here and, uh, you know, I think that all kind of started with him. What do you What do you make of the Ibra Imovich signing? And as someone who you know built a career off of scoring goals in MLS, what would you advise him to do when it comes to scoring? I think it's going to be difficult for him to kind of keep up at a pace like he is, especially if he starts week in and week out. You know, at 37 years old. He is a physical specimen. Don't get me wrong; one of mm-hmm. the best goal scorers ever. But I think one of the things that he might struggle with and deal with is, is the amount of travel and the way that it affects your body. Right? A lot of times when I talk to a lot of these guys that have come from Europe, they've always said the hardest thing to get used to is is the traveling in the United States. Right? I mean, a lot of times their 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 bus rides, you know, you know, two hours or or whatnot, or their their plane rides an hour, two hour max to to get where they're going and. You know, week in and week out, you're flying in the United States. You know, your, your quickest trip is, you know, one hour if you're lucky, but, you know, two to four, two to three hours to, to get around the country. Um, you know, and then you're dealing with the time change, too. So, you know, on, on an older player, I think that's, that stuff kind of hits you a little bit quicker. Um, uh, so... Uh, but having said that, you know, he's he, he's come in and, and had a fantastic start. But he, even he said, you know, he's like, I couldn't even probably play more than more than the minutes that I got. So it'll be interesting to kind of see how he, how, how they utilize him over the course of the season. Because if I think they, they try to make him a week-in and week-out player, um, I think he'll start off fantastic. But I think, you know, he'll, he'll end up breaking down by the end of the year and not being as effective. So, you know, I think they really need to be careful. Um, hopefully they're not listening, but <laughs> with, with with the amount of minutes he plays, and you know that might be tough, you know, for a guy like that who, who probably wants to feel that he wants to play every single minute uh, when he gets back, uh, you know, totally fit. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, kind of how he plays out. But but don't get me wrong, I think you know 
mm-hmm. going to have an effect on the league, and he's going to score goals when uh, when he's when he's feeling good. I mean, he's just a phenomenal player, and he's done it <clears throat> at every single level. Um, you know, another thing that might might bother him will be just that he's played at the best clubs in the world. You know, and then you come to um, you know the MLS, and it's not a slight on the MLS at all. You know, it's just you know he he's been on the best clubs in the world and you know the team that he's on now you know obviously not going to be playing with the best players in the world um so it'll be interesting to see that dynamic and if the frustration set in um over time as well so um but you know having said that i'm I'm excited to see it you know and, and especially after that first game um yeah. you know hats off to him and i wish him the best of luck for the league sake so you were part of multiple MLS Cup champions twice with the Houston Dynamo, once with this, uh, the Earthquakes. And why do you think it's so difficult to win the double in the sense of the support shield being the best team in the regular season and then going on and succeeding in MLS Cup? Um, I think it's just because of the parity of the league. I think the league has done a good job of you know <clears throat> keeping teams, all teams, fairly competitive. You know, so I, I think, you know, throughout the regular season, yeah, there's there's one team a lot of times that's gonna pull ahead, but um, you know, the rosters aren't as deep as some of the best teams in the world. So, you know, at, at over the course of a season sometimes, you know, your best players that played a lot of minutes get, get, get tired and get worn down, you know, and, and you know, the the way the playoff system is set up, um, you know, it's like the NCAA basketball, you know, the top teams don't always win, right? And when you're looking at soccer, it's not always the best teams that that win games. And so, you know, when you when you're thrown into a two game series or a one game series, um, anything can happen, right? I mean, uh, and and because soccer has you know more upsets, um, I think you know when you look at the higher team playing a lower team, um, you know, it's bound to happen in the playoffs that that's going to happen. So. You know, it's, it's just, you need a little bit of luck. You need, uh, you know, a lot of skill and a little bit of luck to, to be able to, to win both and, and, and do that. And so, you know, that's why it's hats, hats off to Toronto. You know, they, they did a fantastic job. Um, you know, it's not easy to do. Uh, so, um, you know, that's kind of, you know, how, why I think that, <laughs> um, you know, it doesn't happen very often. Mm-hmm. Now, Brian, before we get to the busy work that you're doing, Post soccer, what is the ceiling for MLS and even the men's national team? Do you think we can continue this growth that we're seeing in MLS, or do you think it's it's more of a bubble and we're we're starting to come to uh, I guess a little of a, of a burst sometime soon? No, I think you're going to start to see it accelerate a little bit more. You know, one thing that I do, you know, hope. Um, that the MLS does address is the fact that, you know, we need to be focused, uh, you know, and I think one of the things with this whole election and the U S failing to hit the world cup is, you know, we need to focus on getting more kids to play soccer and more kids to, to stay in soccer and then get, getting those, you know, top kids into better situations into better coaching at younger ages. So we can really start developing some of these talents. And you're seeing some of that, Kind of coming through the ranks with you know the way a kid the the Pulisic and um, a number of the uh, younger generation, but we just need more of that, right? I mean, we're such a big country, and um, you know I think our focus has been on the MLS 
for so long, even with U.S. soccer, that you know we've kind of neglected some of the, the pathways for kids to become uh, better players. And I think that you know the failure of the U.S. Uh, is really forced everyone to kind of retool and rethink uh, the way things have gone gone on. And um, you know, hopefully, you know, we'll come out of that uh, looking better, and that'll help accelerate the growth of not only MLS but you know the men's national team as well and you know one of the things i'd like to see the league is is to put in rules that focus on developing younger younger talented uh american players you know mm. because right now you're seeing this huge shift in going after um younger talent from overseas and then getting these guys green cards within a year or two um so they're taking up you know in essence spots that american players you know you'd like to see hold on to and, and be able to kind of develop, um, you know, and, and uh, not become like this foreign foreign league where, you know, you're getting a lot of kids or a lot of younger talent from all over the world and then getting them green cards and then, you know, that's less room for developing actual um, American player talent. So, you know, it's just one of the things that I think that um, – you know, is is kind of at a tipping point that we need really need to decide that you know, developing American kids and making sure that we're creating spots for them in the MLS and on the MLS in the MLS systems to develop them to get to the MLS teams and and not just become you know a team of of foreigners like kind of like I think you see a lot happening in the EPL. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and there's always that balance of trying to be the best league and to bring in all the best players but um trying to make sure that you have a focus and the main focus should be on developing um you know american players and getting them into the game loving the game and and um you know helping out uh, get the national team on, on on a higher level now brian you're a busy man in houston as you said in the beginning of the show how would you tell us listeners all what you're involved in <laughs> well, you know, I obviously still um, love the Dynamo, being a part of it, um, and and I'm helping the the Dash. I'm on the board of Dynamo Charities. I'm on the board of Houston Habitat for Humanity. Um, you know, for me, it's just a matter of, of I, I enjoy getting out into the community and, and helping out. Um, uh, and 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 part of that is 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 raising the the brand and the awareness of of dynamo on the dash in in houston and um you know we have a number of initiatives and it's pretty cool to see that you know some of the guys on the team like uh albert release now is, is is really getting on the community and doing things uh around his um you know kind of rise and in, in play and stardom in, in 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 the city and um we've always kind of as a company and as an organization felt like you know the fans give us so much that we we want to give back and and be relatable and and be out in the community because i think that's one thing that really you know in a lot of ways separated you know not only us but the mls from all the other major leagues is is guys getting out into the community growing the game um and having that connection with our fans and you know i've um, been fortunate enough to 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 create that connection and, and try to continue to keep that connection with, with fans, um, you know, not just around soccer, but outside in the community around different initiatives that, 
um, that we've had. And, you know, it's, it's, it's one of those things as the league grows and there's more money, it's, it's always a tough, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, you know, request to, to, to kind of keep or a tough image to kind of keep, um, you know, where the players are, um, you know, relatable to the fans and, and, and getting out in the communities. And so, um, you know, it's one of our initiatives as, as a team and an organization. And, and obviously as an individual, it has to come from individuals uh, that, that enjoy getting out and doing things. And um, we have a number of guys that have um, on the team now that uh, that are really making a, a big push to get out there, which is, which is really great to see because I feel we kind of built our brand off of that type of player. And what about pitch twenty five? What what's going on there? <laughs> yeah, you know, so um, I've always wanted to to um, own a business and and be a part of growing a business. And I saw an opportunity. You know, there was a warehouse across the street from the stadium that's been empty for eight or nine years. And um, you know, like I said, I wanted to, to create my own business. And I thought, what a brilliant. Um, idea would be to to have a soccer venue, a soccer specific bar um, mm. that that um, because I, I really didn't feel like there was a place to go to to watch soccer in, in Houston, and um, you know with it being right next to the stadium, it was it was kind of a no brainer, and uh, it's it's a huge project, you know, obviously getting into something that you know a different realm of expertise, but I partnered with some great guys and. Uh, I'm learning a lot and enjoying the process, and we're hoping to open um, in the beginning of May sometime. Uh, so we're getting really close here, so crunch time as far as that goes. But uh, seeing it come together and, and seeing what the space is going to look like, uh, there's nothing like it uh, in the country that I've ever seen. So you know, if, you, if anybody does get to make it out to Houston or uh, look us up, check us out, come 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 have a beer and uh, watch, watch a soccer game with us because – we have, you know, two aspects. There's an outdoor beer garden and then kind of an indoor soccer um, restaurant with, with a soccer field in it. Um, so it's, 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 a, it's a unique thing, and yeah. uh, uh, I'm really excited and, and can't wait to, to kind of open the doors. Yeah, I mean, just moving around quite a bit, I always had, a trouble, fi- had trouble finding a place to go watch a soccer game. You know, you have a couple of pubs here and there, but this seems really cool, and if my team... Uh, or I are ever down in Houston, we'll definitely have to stop by and check it out because this sounds very exciting. And just to, to have a bar specific to soccer is just—it's always fun because you're you're always surrounding yourself with a bunch of soccer guys and or gals, and you know it's just fun. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I mean, like, like you know, the soccer fan is definitely different than any other uh, of the major sports fans here in the United States, and we all know that because we live that. But you know, that's one of the things that you know, I always hear when people come to our stadium for the first time, they're like, wow, you know, it's a cool experience. I didn't know the games were like that and that exciting. And uh, a lot of that has to do with, with, with the way um, soccer fans are, you know, they just, they want to be a part of the action and want to feel like they have influencing the game. And, um, and that's why, you know, they're so vocal and we can hear them on the field all the time. And, and they've been so beneficial to us. And so hopefully we can get that kind of vibe and that feel going <laughs> during mm-hmm. all the games uh, in the bar. Uh, definitely going to look forward to that, you know, pitch 25. So can't wait. Hopefully it opens before the uh, Champions League final. That way you could have a huge sellout that first first month. 
Yeah, you know what? My my fortieth comes on the twenty fourth, so I'm 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 telling uh, my GC that hey, this is a drop dead uh, <laughs> open. So we're gonna we're gonna have a massive party. I think our grand opening will probably be the uh, the Champions League uh final and that's the way it's looking uh right now so oh, that'll be a awesome. great way to to introduce the bar to the city that's awesome well brian we really appreciate it and here on the show we have shameless plug so just go ahead and tell the listeners where we can find i don't know updates for pitch 25 or your twitter or anything else you'd like to just plug away here at the final moments <laughs> yeah i appreciate that Stephen, um uh, for having me on um uh pitch 25 dot uh, com you know it's, it's pretty simple it's easy it's right out there um and uh come check us out when uh whenever you travel to houston or if you are in houston it's going to be uh something that uh you know the country's probably never seen before awesome well we really appreciate it brian thanks again okay appreciate it have a good one Steven, what were your uh, what were your thoughts on that interview with Brian Ching? Uh, super cool guy. I love his idea with Pitch Twenty Five. That soccer bar. I can't wait to go go down. Um, as Armand got sucked away from the tornado in our break, we were talking about the development of youth, and I think Brian Ching hit on something really interesting: is regarding what type of system are we having, and what type of system is MLS allowing? Because the biggest names or the biggest signees this past offseason were with young kids, but they weren't American. Yes, you have Tyler Adams at Red Bulls, and you see, you see a couple players you know, through the academy system, which is great. But when are we going to see the hype of an 18-year-old American be like, this guy can really be something like what you see with Rossi at LAFC or Barco at Atlanta? Now, Brian Ching didn't necessarily allude to these names, but he does raise an interesting question is, you know, are we going to see a trend that allows MLS and maybe, you know, the league incentivizes MLS clubs to say, you know what, play more younger kids because that's what we need. That's the next step for this league to grow is, yes, big names are coming and big names want to come. How often do we see the, the big names in Europe say, yeah, well, maybe one day I'll play in MLS? You know that that's that's no longer a question because I think the it's open to any player. It's a question or not: Are we going to see a Christian Pulisic come through the MLS system and then make a huge twenty million dollar move to a mid-table club in the Premier League or you know a club in the Bundesliga or Serie A, wherever it may be? Yeah, that I think I think we'll get there at some point. It's just going to take time to you know, before MLS is just churning out young talent. And um, the only the only young American player that comes to mind that kind of had some hype behind him coming into MLS was Jordan Morris. And I think he's kind of, I don't know, flamed out is the right word, but um, he's definitely cooled off in terms of like the, the, the hype that was behind him there. So no, but yeah, I, I think Brian Ching is right. Something needs to be done about, you know, development of the uh, young domestic players in MLS. And I mean, that's, that's kind of, that's kind of my gripe with MLS right now is you're bringing over these young kids from South America, which is great, you know, and that's what this league needs is more talent, but 
we need to be working on, you know, making sure that we are uh, progressing also as a soccer country too, and making sure that our our own players are developing and our own players are getting better, and you know they can be, you know, sold on to teams in Europe like you said, and used for the national team, and you know it it, it it's just just something I'd like to see here as as we progress. Absolutely, Armand, we'll give you the final word here. Yeah, guys, I'm really a big proponent with the domestic American talent of the whole college system. I mean, I used to be really against it. I used to really hate it, and I still do hate it as current, uh, whatever the current standards that it has right now. But overall, I wish the college system had been reformed and it is better. I think it could give more opportunities for domestic players to flourish and maybe potentially get opportunities elsewhere. But I mean, outside of that, I think you guys hit the hammer on the head in terms of making those players uh, reaching their potential and uh, getting the hype. Alrighty, well, check out awaydaysfootball.com to get a fantastic $25 mystery soccer kit. It's fantastic. I love it. Wait, wait you forgot the subscription thing they just added, man. Oh, yes, you can Don't get Don't forget sus- about that. They also now have a subscription feature where you can – it's about the same price as a, uh, normal, a normal jersey, but instead of having to make multiple purchases, you can just get a six-month one for $150 and use promo code Uncle Sam for 15% off. It's actually a really cool uh, deal. Basically, every month you'll get a New Jersey. That's completely random. It's Are like, you serious? It's like Christmas. <laughs> Jake's every... finding that out for the first no, I, time. I, I'm literally finding this out right now. Are you serious, Clark? I, I'm serious. It's a. It's like a. It's like a. Jer- it's like a Christmas every month. Like, oh wow, it's December whatever day Christmas is. Sorry, I'm not Christian. Um, <laughs> whatever day it is, it's, it's, it's every day, man. So yeah, they have the new subscription. They have it in three months and six months, and I think it's just a, it's a really cool feature. And again, you can use promo code Uncle Sam. That's Uncle Sam for fifteen percent off your purchase. So we'll save you some money. Send me the check. Yes, follow the show at Uncle Sam Soccer Pod. Give us a share, subscribe, review us. Go like Armand's writing, and then below comment how bad it sucks. Um, wow. yeah. We'll be back next week. Jake Watroba in Minnesota. Armaka Fidel in Dallas. And I'm here in Madison, Wisconsin. Until next time. Peace out. It's a great time to get a great deal on a new car when you get approved for an auto loan from PenFed. Our powered by true car rates are as low as 1.39% APR on new vehicles. Finance for a longer term to lower your monthly bill, plus take up to 60 days to schedule your first payment. Join PenFed, and together, we'll keep you moving forward. Anyone can apply. Visit PenFed.org auto or call 1-800-247-5626. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. The in-dash OLED display in the Cadillac Escalade has 38 total diagonal inches of color display. So why do we give it a curve too? I guess you could say we like to bend the rules. The 2021 Cadillac Escalade never stop arriving.